Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, today we are finishing up our series on family, whether it's surviving or thriving. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that none of you are going to be surprised about. And that is your family is under attack. But to understand why it's under attack and where that comes from, I think is very important. You know, uh, there tends to be stages of marriage. Um, There's the honeymoon stage. And then the party's over stage. Uh, Then there's let's make a deal stage, you know, where you just learn to, uh, you you go from dating to debating and and you uh, you're actually um, spending a lot of time just trying to negotiate things. And uh, but I'm going to be really vulnerable with you right now. I, I don't look forward to preaching a message about marriage. And here's why. I know that when I do, Satan is going to come after me. And he's going to come after my marriage. Because he wants to put a doubt in me like, who are you to be telling them about marriage? Look, you're not doing it very well right now. And and so I try to pay attention because little things will come up and little things will become irritations. Before you know it, we're arguing about something. And so, yeah, it happened. <laughs> you know, a little thing came up, and all of a sudden we're arguing. And then I stopped, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm getting ready to do a sermon on marriage. Uh, so this, this is how the enemy works. And, and so once I recognized where the source was coming from, uh, <clears throat> but here's the deal. There's some of you that are in major pain right now. You know, pain in your marriage, pain in your family, and you're not sure what to do with it. Some of you are, are, are frustrated to no end. You, you feel stuck. <clears throat> you're not sure what to do with all the things that you're feeling right now. And um, you, you argue, you work at it, and you just can't find a resolution, much less a reconciliation. And and this is not just the marriage. It could be the whole family. Or maybe it's one of your children. So let's kind of talk about some basics. You know, let's ask the question, does marriage even really matter? Does family even matter? Is it worth it? Well, Satan would tell you, no, it's not. It's no big deal. I hate it, by the way, and I'm going to attack it. And, uh, you know, he, he tries to convince you that marriage is just, you know, something that's convenient. And he tries to legitimize the whole thing about marriage and about family. But God says, yes, it is beautiful. It's important. And I hold marriage and I hold family in high regard. So there are some answers to unravel this in scripture. And that's why we always go there. And so I, I want to just start with by make sure you know your family, your family history. Uh, you know, it's become a thing now uh, to, 
to look at your lineage, you know, doing a DNA test, figure out where your family's from, but also to go online on one of those websites and uh, figure out your family tree. And a lot of you do that. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool, a lot of fun. I've had some family members to do it, and it's interesting to read the results. And um, somebody in Mary's family did it. And, uh, and she found out, she got the report of it. When we were looking through it, they put together this whole booklet thing. And we found out that a distant, distant cousin was uh, President Bill Clinton. And I just looked at her and started thinking, hmm. And uh, so that was an interesting conversation we had. That was pretty, that was a lot of, you know, this is just an interesting thing we found out. And, uh, but God says this thing is important, but if you really want to look at your family history, you have to go to the Bible because that's the one that has the real answer and has the right answer. And we go to Genesis chapter one and we find your real heritage right there. The Bible says, God said, let us, that's the Trinity, let us make human beings. You know, of all the creation, he just said, let there be light, and there was light, and and he let there be day, and let there be night. But when it came to the human race, there there were words that he said and a contemplation about it which kind of lets you know how important, how different this part of creation is going to be. He says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. That that means you're different from anything else that's created because nothing else in creation has the image of God. The animal world does not have the image of God. It's one of the reasons I know I didn't evolve out of the animal world. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then a really cool thing, then God blessed them. So your real heritage is the image of God. And this blessing from God about his image on the human race still continues, I believe. So you're living with that blessing. It's a blessing to have the image of God imprinted upon you. It it tells you how important you are and it tells you something about your nature. So you were made in the image of God. That's your real heritage. We were created, we did not evolve. And let me just put it this way. If you want to hold to evolution as the source of the human race, then the reality of that is you cannot trust the Bible about anything else, even your own salvation. We were made in the image of God. We were created beings. And and by having God's image, he shared parts of his attributes with us. Uh, Just some of them. Life, we have life. Very different. In fact, we have eternal life. 
You know, every human being that is born has eternal life. You will spend eternity somewhere. You will live forever, either with God and his kingdom or separated from God, but you will live forever. That's an attribute of God's image that he put in you. You you have a personality. That's part of God. God's got a personality. Jesus had a personality. He had emotions. He grieved. He wept. I think he laughed. He put truth in you. Another attribute that I think he put in you is wisdom. He put a desire for you to want his wisdom. Love. He put you he put in you his your ability to love. This is a weird one that you don't think about, but holiness. I mean, that's an attribute of God, or he is holy. And the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. So he put in you with that image the ability to be holy. Now, that can only happen through a relationship with Jesus because God declares you holy because of what Jesus did. Justice is an attribute. You know, there's something in you that when you see injustice, it bothers you. Well, that's part of the image of God that's in you. That's where that comes from. We have the capacity to have a spiritual relationship with a holy, righteous God. We have that capacity. That's part of the image with him. We are the crown. We are the pinnacle of creation. We are what it was all about. Now, Jesus affirms this image, number three. He was um, in a conversation with the guys who were always trying to trap him in his words. And they came to him talking to him about whether you ought to pay taxes or not to Caesar. And so they, Jesus said, well, give me a coin and we'll pick it up in Mark 12. When they handed it, the coin... To him, he asked, whose picture or image and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. So, your life is marked, stamped with the image of of God, so you belong to him. Even if you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, even if you say you're an atheist, guess what? You still belong to God. And that's why God has the authority to decide if you're going to be with him in heaven or you're going to be eternally separated from him in hell. He has that authority because you belong to him. But he wants to have a relationship with you, and that's the cool thing. So Jesus affirmed this whole idea about the image because when it says, let us make man in our, the human race in our image, Jesus was part of the us. He was there when it happened. He was a part of that. So he's affirming in this statement that, yeah, God's image is stamped on you. So give to God 
what belongs to God. Now, there's a cool verse in Revelation at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22. Look, look, look at this. This is after judgments happen, all this stuff. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and, and the Lamb will be there. And his servants, that's us who claim Jesus, will worship him. And the Bible tells us that even those who reject God, reject Jesus, <clears throat> they will worship him as well in hell. They'll still worship God. And they will see his face. <clears throat> that's pretty incredible because the Bible says anybody who sees the face of God will be consumed. They'll die instantly. But today's coming, the day is coming where you will see the face of God and survive it. They will see his face. Now, here's the cool one. And you guys, uh, you, you know, those of you who like tattoos are going to really like this. His name will be written on their foreheads. I don't know if you get to choose the design or not. But isn't that a cool statement? I mean, you, you, the, the spiritual image of God is imprinted upon you spiritually, but in heaven, I mean, it's going to be a physical thing because you belong to him. <clears throat> so number four, marriage, family is important to God. Absolutely important to him. <clears throat> I, I did a wedding yesterday out on the lake, on the sh shore of the lake, and it was a beautiful day for a wedding. And, and uh, one of the things I say to, said to them that I say to everybody, I, I said, uh, Lee Dean and Stephen, uh, you, you uh, are entering into this marriage. That's the first and only institution God created before sin became a part of this world. That's how important it was to God. And... When God instituted marriage, he created this picture of the greatest uh, unity human beings can have is marriage. And it symbolizes our covenant relationship with him. He wants us to understand this unity that we have with him through redemption. And he uses marriage to describe our relationship with his son. Uh, Ephesians 5, pay attention to this one, guys. For husbands, this means love your wives. Three or four times in Ephesians 5, it really focuses on men, love your wives. Because I, I want to tell you something. When you love your wives properly, you'll, you'll not have a problem with her loving you back. She will respond to that love. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So he qualifies that love. Says he, he gave up his life for her. Now that's a whole nother level of love. When my wife knows without a doubt that I would give everything, I mean... I think one of the things that made my family feel strong and made our marriage feel strong and my kids feel safe, they knew without a doubt that their dad, her husband, would walk away from ministry if he had to do that to protect his family. And God would expect me to do that. 
And I think that's why my kids love church even today, because they didn't see church as what took their dad away. And so I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church, which means I give up my life, not just my physical life, but I give up my selfishness, my self-centeredness. In Revelation 21, it says, then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues. Oh my goodness, what this angel had in his hands, it's unthinkable. But he said to me, come with me, talking to John, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb, of Jesus. And guess who it was? It was you. It was the church. So this is how much God values marriage, that he put it in place before sin entered the picture, and it's going to be in place after sin's gone. And he uses that to describe our relationship with his son, that you and I are the bride of Jesus. That's how much God values marriage. That's how much he values family. So a marriage is a picture of the covenant of God that he has with his people. An unbreakable commitment. And God wants you and I to understand just how serious it is to him. That's why God loves marriages. That's why he loves family. The church those individuals who've prayed to receive Christ are presented in scripture as the bride of Christ. We will be married to him. Now there's a fourth thing you need to understand. Satan absolutely hates your marriage and hates your family. Absolutely. He is the real enemy of your marriage and your family. You know, I, I could do an entire message on how society is no friend of your marriage and is no friend of your family. I, I could do a whole message on that. But those are only symptoms of a real issue. They're just symptoms. Satan hates your marriage. He hates your family. And Satan hates everything that has the image of God. You see, he, had, he tried to attack God and it didn't work out too well for him. I mean, in an instant, it cost him everything. And so, since he cannot do anything to God, he goes after what God loves. And God loves you. And God loves your marriage. And God loves your family. So, therefore, that's what Satan attacks. So, yes, society wants to redefine marriage and wants to redefine family. Those are symptoms from the evil one. He's the real source. He's the real enemy. I could uh, talk an entire message on this individual identity crisis that we have in our, in our country right now. I could talk about that and talk about all the ins and outs of that and how rampant it is in our country. But again, those are only symptoms of a real issue. Satan hates the image of God in you. He hates your heritage. And he wants to confuse you about your identity. 
So that's the real enemy. When we choose to violate the covenant of marriage and the covenant of family, it mars the picture of Christ's covenant with us. So let's talk about how Satan attacks us. Now, I I could make the obvious ones out there, but I, I don't want to deal with the obvious ones. You already know those. So let's talk about the subtle ones. Because that's how he really works. Satan, the reason we don't recognize him sometimes is because he's subtle in what he does in your life. And, and, and it happens in such small little increments that you don't recognize what's happening. But uh, one of the ways that he begins the process to destroy your marriage and your family is busyness. He makes you so busy. I I mean, I I see families that are incredibly busy with schedules. They wind up not having any time to be a family. Um, Complacency. Just being content to not want to change or do better or get better. we, we, We become so complacent about things that we become dull in them. Failing to speak each other's love language. If you really want to know why a lot of marriages fall apart and families fall apart, you don't speak each other's love language and someone else outside the marriage, outside the family speaks that language and they gravitate towards that person. You know, I've heard many people that They tell me that one of the reasons they get drawn to a a gang or a group of people is because they made them feel like family. There's that deep longing for that. So are you speaking your spouse and your kids' love language? Because we all have them. You know what they are, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts. That's not materialism now. It's a different thing. Uh, Acts of service, physical touch, hugs, holding hands. Every relationship, even the good ones, have conflict. And if you don't know how to deal with it, if you don't know how to resolve it, if you don't know how to manage it, it can kill your relationships. You know, it's like the cancer that ultimately will kill a a body, a person's body, starts out as one little cell that you can't even see. But left undetected, it grows. And left undiagnosed, it grows more. And when ignoring the symptoms, it grows even more and to the point it's too late. And it's already destroyed the body to the point it can't recover. That's what happens in marriages and families. It's that little cell that starts and it's undetected. And then when it is detected, nothing's done about it. And before you know it, it's disintegrated the foundation. Mark 3 says, a a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. The Bible says so. It's a true statement. You know, the Bible's very blunt. The Bible tells us what really causes our conflict. It's called selfishness. James 4, 
What is causing the quarrels and fights among you in your marriage and your family? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? Selfishness. And here's what Satan does. Satan magnifies your selfishness. And he whispers into your ear, it's all about you. And that's how he begins to disintegrate our relationships. I want what I want. You know, Mary and I, when we first got married, we got an electric blanket. And, uh, you know, those were a big thing for a while. It didn't take us long to figure out we needed dual controls. So I was thankful for the dual controls. And then cars, they finally wised up and made cars dual controls, you know. And one side of the car can be hot and the other side can be cold. That, you know, that saved our marriage. I wish they could figure out how to make uh, the, the system in our house dual controls. <laughs> it would save a lot of disagreements. So here, here's how some of you resolve things. Some of you are my way solvers. Uh, that means I'll fight till I win. I'll fight till I get what I want because it's all about me. And I'm totally right and you're totally wrong. That, you know, the my way people. Uh, there are others of you who are the no way people. Uh, there's no way I'm going to get drawn into this argument again. There's no way I'm going to get drawn into this conflict. And you just leave. You, you walk away. You, you become passive in your aggressiveness by leaving the situation. Some of you become your way. Uh, your, the, the way you resolve things is you just always give in. Yes, dear, whatever you want. And, and so that's not fair either. Some of you, you've learned to compromise, so you're kind of like a halfway person. Uh, you, you know, sometimes you let them have your way, and sometimes you get your way, and so you're kind of a halfway person. But I want to tell you the better way of doing it, the best way of doing it, is to become an our way person, an our way marriage, an our way family. Um, <clears throat> our way is when we work out mutual goals together, where we care about the relationship more than that we care about the issue. We care about our relationship more than we care about the agenda. Each year, I've shared this with some of you before, each year on our anniversary, Mary and I would sit down and we would have a nice meal, but we would talk about the next year and we would set goals. We would set some pretty big goals for the marriage, for the family, for our finances, we would just write down these goals and they became our goals. And so we worked on them together and we set goals with the kids and they became family goals and we all focused on the goals and we were partners, we were teammates with each other. Uh, if you've never done that, try that in your marriage, try that with your kids and maybe, maybe because when, when you're pulling together, it's harder for Satan to pull you apart. So maybe this summer, you're getting ready to hit summer. So before summer really hits, sit down as a family, say, hey, let's set some goals for the summer. By the end of the summer, what would we like to be true then that's not true now? And you might be surprised at some of the things even your little kids will come up with. But find some common goals and then as a family, you work to meet those goals. You'd be amazed at how that brings creativity and how it brings unity in the family.
Write down your family goals. Write down your marriage goals. But here's what I want to do right now. There's some of you, you're, you're in some pain. You know your marriage is not where it needs to be. You know your family's not where it needs to be. Some of you are in some serious pain about your kids. And um, the band, band's going to go ahead and come out. And they're going to kind of set the tone for us a little bit. But I, I want us to have a special prayer time. And, you know, those who are watching online at home, you can do this right at home. But I want to invite you, and even if everything's great, you come as well and pray over your family. So if your family's here, bring your family down. And dads, pray over your kids. Um, pray over your spouse. And if, you're, if you are in pain, I want you to come and pray, but come as a family and, and just leave things with God and, and declare we have the image of God on us. We matter to him. And, and then I'm going to pray over all of you. I, I'm going to pray that Jesus, that Jesus will rebuke Satan out of your marriage and will rebuke Satan out of your family. Because the Bible tells us that we can't rebuke him. The Lord does that. That's, he does that. And I want to pray that for all of you. So just make your way to the front. Come and pray as a couple. Pray as a family. Things can be going great right now, but you know, you're always just one argument away from some problems. Things are going great. Come and pray. Pray thanking God for that. And ask God to prepare you for what's coming that you don't even know about yet. If you've got somebody in your family that's struggling with their identity in Christ, bring that to the Father. As much as I love my kids, God loves them more. Now, pray right where you are. Huddle up as a family if you're still at your seats. Just huddle up as a family and pray together. If you're at home, just take a moment. Focus on your marriage. Focus on your family. Take your pains and your hurts. Give it to the, give it to the Lord. He already knows all those things. He loves you unconditionally. His spirit is strong enough, big enough, powerful enough to deal with whatever you're going through. And he knows exactly how you're feeling. Father, I pray over every marriage in this room, every marriage of individuals that are listening, I pray that Jesus, by his name and his authority and his blood, will rebuke the evil one. That the Holy Spirit will put a hedge of protection around these marriages.
these families. That Jesus will rebuke the evil one out of, out of whatever he's causing, whatever conflict he's bringing, that you will rebuke him. Bring healing where there's pain. Bring forgiveness where there's hurt. We restore what is broken. Let our identity, our true heritage be found in Jesus. Glorify your image that's in us. Glorify your name in, our, in my life. Lift up the name of Jesus. in everyone's individual life in this room, and those that are listening online. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.